Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, we're thankful for just an incredible time of worship, Lord, where we can sing and, and lift our voices, Lord, together as followers of Jesus Christ to the true and living King. Lord, we pray that it's been um, Lord, a blessing to hear us, Lord. I pray that you've been honored by our songs, Lord, and, and by our prayers. And I pray now as we move into the portion of our worship together, when we study your word, Lord, I pray you would just speak clearly to us, Lord. Help us to, to have spiritual eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. Would you speak to the, to the depths of our souls, Lord to the darkest parts of our hearts, Lord. You, you just shine the light of Christ in every part of our being. Lord, I pray that we would just receive your word. I pray that it would be clear to us. I pray, Father, that you would use us and you would speak through your word to do amazing things in this community and around the world for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by reading... A passage from Proverbs chapter 3. And I don't want you to turn there with me if you don't want to. I just want you to listen. Proverbs chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And man, there's a very interesting correlation between Proverbs 3 and Deuteronomy 6 where the Lord says to take the word of the Lord, the commandments, to put them on the door frames of your houses and to bind them on your heart. Same kind of idea here in Proverbs 3, the idea of seeking the Lord and living our life based on his words. And then we see in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and shun evil this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops and your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine this is a very interesting portion of scripture because in certain translations the word success is used It's one of the few places in all the Word of God that we read about the idea of success. And so I wanted to think this morning, just for a few moments before we begin, how would we define success? What does success look like for us? I'm sure depending on your walk of life, you have maybe a different idea of what success ought to be. To the businessman, success is when your company does well and you make a profit, and that's very important for business. To the athlete, success is doing well in competition, maybe winning a certain game or winning a championship. To a parent, maybe success means your children turn out well, whatever that means for you, right? To a grandparent, maybe that means that your grandchildren turn out well, whatever that means to you. But what should success look like as followers of Jesus Christ? What should success look like to the believer? Are we more successful when we spend more time in the Word of God? Well, of course that's important. Are we more successful when we spend more time in prayer? We would all agree, yes. 
But I think based on Proverbs 3, and I think based on the text we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 10, we could certainly define success as this, trusting in the Lord for all things. I think if our life were marked by the desire and the ability to trust the Lord in all things, I think we would arrive upon the definition of success. I think the Lord would bless us. And the Lord would use us in ways that we can't even imagine. And so I want to think this morning about the idea of trust. And I want to see a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10 that's going to demonstrate to us the importance of trusting in the Lord no matter what. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now we've been walking through this passage for several weeks I think this is the third week now that we've been in Luke chapter 10, and we're doing it leading up to Mission LaGrange. Mission LaGrange is July the 6th through the 12th, and you probably walked through the breezeway this morning. You saw all the different opportunities. We've tried to design Mission LaGrange to give every person the opportunity to serve somewhere. There ought to be something on that board that you feel called to do. If you can't do anything else, you ought to be praying for Mission LaGrange, and you can sign up to do that. But I want to challenge you to be a part of that. I want to encourage you to find a place to serve with the mindset of being missional, with the mindset of reaching out into the community to share the love of Jesus Christ with all those that don't know. And so we've been walking through Luke chapter 10 because it's just a real clear model. It's a model and it's a mandate to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So let's pick up this morning in Luke chapter 10. Each week I've read the first 12 verses. I'm going to do that again this morning. And then we're going to focus specifically on verses 4 through 7. So Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Remember, at this point, Jesus is walking to Jerusalem for the last time. He's explained to his followers exactly what's expected of them, exactly what's going to happen to him. And so he's making his way south now from Galilee towards Jerusalem to be handed over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law, to eventually be crucified. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Remember, he's walking towards Jerusalem. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of recognizing the need. We talked about the importance of understanding that there are literally thousands of people within driving distance of our church that don't yet know Jesus Christ. We talked about the importance of recognizing that need, but even more important than recognizing the need is doing something about it. Jesus says, pray that people will go. It's not enough for us to sit in this congregation on Sunday morning and recognize the need if we don't ever go and do something about it. And so Jesus commands them now in verse 3, go, right? So recognize the need... Pray for the workers. And then in verse 3, you need to go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. We talked about the risk involved with mission work last week. Verse 4, and this will be our focal passage of these next few passages this morning. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. 
But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now there's some truths we've been taking every week from this text to help us understand what missional living ought to be like, to help us understand the importance of going out, to help prepare our hearts for Mission Lagrange. And so I want to begin this morning by thinking about verse 4. And there's a truth that I want to explain to you that I think is going to be foundational for us. It's a truth that's true in the first century. It's truth even now. It's true even now, but sometimes, as we're going to see, it's very difficult for us to live our lives by. Here's truth number one. Our level of trust in the Lord will determine how much the Lord can use us. Our level of trust in the Lord will determine exactly how much the Lord can use us. And let me just be clear about this, and I'm going to show you some scriptural precedent. If you don't believe the Lord's actually going to use you to reach people for Christ, chances are he's not. If you don't have faith to believe that the Lord can speak through you and lead you and guide you, chances are he probably won't. Now, there's a very interesting passage in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus has done some pretty miraculous things up to this point. He's done some miracles. He's healed some people. He's preaching about the kingdom of the Lord. And he goes home in Mark chapter 6. And I want you to listen to what takes place. Jesus went to his hometown, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. Right, This is a guy from their hometown. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. That's just a very interesting phrase to me. Then Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives And in his own home. Now I want you to listen to verses 5 and 6. This is crucial for understanding here in Luke chapter 10. Mark chapter 6 verse 5. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ says this. He could not do any miracles there. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You say why couldn't he do miracles? Verse 6. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You see that? Even Christ couldn't do miracles because the people didn't believe he was who he says he was. Christ couldn't work miracles in their midst because they lacked faith in him. Now I want to fast forward a few centuries to our context today. If Jesus Christ couldn't do miracles because the people lacked faith in him, how much less do you think we can do when we lack faith in him? See, I think we get caught up in this mindset of, you know, Lord, I'm just not sure you can use me. I hear this from people all the time. I just don't think I'm good enough. Or I'm not smart enough. Or I don't know enough scripture to allow the Lord to use me. Let me just tell you, biblically, that's a lie. Okay? No matter who you are, where you've been, What's happened in your life previous to this moment, if you'll trust in the Lord, he will use you. So now Jesus is going to kind of test this with these people. I can just kind of see some of them already listening to this conversation Jesus is saying to them. Just put yourself in the first century context. There's a great need, he tells these people. 
You need to be praying that somebody's going to go out, right, and going to talk to these people. There'll be more workers. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, right? There's danger there. I'm going to go with you as the great shepherd. Now I'm calling you to go. And I can just imagine some of these people in their mind thinking, I'm just not quite sure I can do this. I'm just not quite sure I have the ability to do the things that Christ has called me to do. So Jesus now in verse 4 of Luke 10 is going to challenge them to do something very difficult. Look at it again with me. After he's commanded them to go, I want you to listen to what he tells them to do in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 10 verse 4. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. It's interesting to me that Jesus kind of uses the three biggest things that we fear and he challenges these people not to worry about them. Now, he gives us three ideas here, right? The first thing, don't take a purse. When you hear the word purse, what comes to mind? Just say it. What comes to mind? Money. Don't take money. You don't need to worry about taking money. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to, wait a minute, Lord, you're, you're telling me, I, don't, I mean, I've got all this money, though, in my accounts, and I make this much, and I've got this 401. The Lord says, you know, it's not about money. You can be missional and not have a single penny to your name. You need to be aware of that. You can be missional and be a millionaire. It doesn't matter. Christ says, when you go in my name and you're interested in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't worry about the money. Leave the purses behind. The second thing, don't take a bag. Don't worry about possessions, right? Don't take clothing and all the things that are important to you. It's kind of interesting when you go on vacation. Ladies, we'll, we'll kind of talk to the ladies just for a second. Because me and we go on vacation, I'm like, I just kind of take my drawer and dump it all in a suitcase. And I hope stuff's in there that I need. You're going to pack, ladies. You're going to buy new outfits, right? You're going to prepare for what you're going to do. I bet when you go on vacation... Not a single lady in here says, I can't wait to go to Florida next week because I'm going to pull down that old blouse I wore back in 1983. It's old and stained and musty, and I can't wait to wear that old nasty thing to out dinner in Florida. We don't do that, do we? We take the nice stuff. I bet some of you go and buy nice new outfits to take with you to Florida. There's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not preaching against nice outfits in Florida, okay? <laughs> what I am saying is when we pack a bag, we usually put the nice stuff in it, don't we? The things that are important to us. We don't take the old stuff that's worn out. Christ says, leave the bag at home. Don't worry about it. So we've already kind of talked about money, right? Don't worry about the money. Don't take that with you. Don't worry about the stuff, the possessions of life. Those aren't important. You don't need those things. Don't even take sandals. Now, some scholars disagree here. Does he say, don't take sandals at all, go barefoot? Or does he say, don't take extra sandals? I think the point in this context, and I, I think we can base that on the last part of verse 4, is he's saying, you know, when you go, you don't even need to worry about how you're going to get there. Don't even worry about the journey. He says, don't even greet anyone along the road. There's this sense here. Don't, don't worry about sandals. Don't, don't greet anybody along the road. Don't worry about the journey. I'm going to lead you. If you'll just follow me, don't, don't worry about the, the possessions. Don't, don't worry about the money. Don't, don't worry about the journey. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. Just trust me. One writer said it like this, and I think he's exactly right. He said, mission work must be marked by prayer and dependence on the Lord. I think that's exactly right. That's what we see in this context. If we'll trust the Lord, if we'll follow the Lord, if we'll get past all the things of life, I think he'll do some pretty amazing things in our heart. But here's the problem here in America. We say this over and over. This is not anything new to you. We're very blessed, aren't we? We have so many nice things. 
And if we're not careful, those blessings can be a hindrance to doing the things of the Lord. So the question isn't for us, how much are we blessed? Here's the real question. How can we truly rely on the Lord in the midst of all those great blessings? Is it possible for us in the midst of all the nice stuff we have to truly rely on the Lord? Lord, I don't know that I need you. I've got this and I've got this and I've got this taken care of. Lord, how can I really trust you and lean on you and not lean on my own understanding when I'm so blessed in so many ways? Well, There are a couple of things I think that will help us. The first is to recognize everything he's given you is a blessing of the Lord. Everything you have is from him. I think we get caught up in this mindset of being smart and hardworking. And we may be all those things, but there are plenty of smart, hardworking people that don't have anything in this world. God's blessed us. We need to recognize what he's done. But I think the second and maybe the most important thing is when we begin to recognize all the blessings of life he's given us, we need to begin to ask ourselves this question. Lord, how can I take what you've given me and use it to bring honor and glory to your name and bless other people? You've, you've blessed me with all this nice stuff, right? You've given me all these things that are great and we love them. and he, they're, they're a blessing from the Lord. But how can we use these things to bring you honor and to bring you glory? How can I use my money for your glory, Lord? How can you be honored through that? How can I use my possessions, Lord, for your honor and for your glory? How can I use this incredible job you've given me, Father, to... to, to bring glory to your name and to share the good news of Jesus Christ that all that will hear. Lord, how can I take all the stuff that you've done in my life, how can I take all the things you've given me and trust you more? Many of you were in here a few weeks ago when we began VBS and we kind of did it with a bang. If you remember, we had Philip repel out of the ceiling. If you remember that, it's hard to forget if you were here. If you weren't here, you missed a pretty interesting Sunday morning. We did that for the kids, by the way. It's all for the kids, okay? We always tell our Wives, we're, we're dressing up in suits and making movies and repelling out of the ceiling for the children. It's all for the children. And so Philip repelled down from the ceiling, and we planned this thing weeks in advance. It didn't just happen Sunday morning, I want you to know, right? So we taught the people that understood construction. We climbed up in the attic and looked at the rafters. We put additional supports up there. We brought somebody in that understood repelling and ropes and all that stuff worked. And, and Angela came out the day we were practicing on Thursday before he went down the first time, and she looked at me and she said, tell me he's not going to die. That's what she told me. I said, well, he will die. I just hope it's not on Sunday morning in front of everybody because we're all going to die one day. So we talked about this thing. We planned it. We kind of thought through everything to ensure that he was safe. But here's the interesting thing about doing that repelling that day. We didn't know for certainty it was going to work until he got out on that rope and tried it, right? It's a lot like that when it comes to trusting the Lord. And we can prepare and think and plan, but until we kind of step out on faith and trust the Lord to really do something, we don't really understand his power, do we? We don't really understand how faithful he is. We don't really understand that he is going to hold that rope for us. And he is going to use us. And he is going to speak through us in mighty and powerful ways. And some of you are saying, I, I get that. I get that. I know and I want to. I'm just so afraid. I'm just so afraid. Here's my advice to you. Do something that really forces you to trust the Lord. Just watch him work. Just one time. Just give it a shot. Just figure out something in your life where you're really going to have to trust the Lord. Maybe it's a Mission LaGrange opportunity. You say, you know, I'm just scared to death to do that. Just give it a shot. Just try it. 
For some of you, it's been mission work. We can tell story after story for the person that said, I'm scared to death to get on that plane, or I'm scared to death to go minister, or I'm scared to death to go witness. And they came back and they said, I'm changed. I'll never be the same. Why? Because they trusted in the Lord. They set aside their fears. They set aside all the things that hinder them from being the man or the woman of God that he called them to be, and they allowed him to work by trusting in him. See, we're limited by our trust. If we don't trust the Lord to work in our lives, chances are he's not. Now look again at verses 5 and 6 as we think through this text. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Here's the second truth I want to draw out of this. Number two, we should be willing to begin conversations about our faith. It's interesting to me in this model, Jesus has already talked about the importance of prayer. He's already talked about the great need. He's already talked about what needs to be done. He's, he's actually even sent them out, go, but he gives them very specific instructions. When you get there, first say. Right? We need to be willing to have conversations about our faith with people. Jesus didn't say, pray and go and then walk around the streets for the rest of your life just doing nice things and being kind. Now that's good, there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to do more. Jesus didn't say, go and when you get there, prayer walk for the rest of your life or for many weeks and then come home. That's good and we need to do that, but that's not what he called them to do. See, we can't actually share Christ without talking and so many people get right up to that point. They, they do all these nice things and they want to be kind and they love somebody in the name of Jesus Christ, but they get right up to this point. Maybe even they get into a home and they're afraid to say anything about their faith. Jesus said, says, when you enter that house, the first thing you say is peace to this house. Now let's put that in modern terms. What, what does that mean? You could say peace to this house, but I think what Jesus is basically saying is, I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to pray peace upon this house. Maybe an easy way to begin the conversation would be to say something like this. Is there any way in which I can pray for you? Is there a need you have? Can I spend a few minutes just praying for you, praying for your family? It reminds me of our, our trip to Gulfport all those years ago. And we talk about this occasionally. It was a, a very important, in my mind, at least a milestone for our church. We had so many people that went down there to, to, to Gulfport and worked in that church to help them restore their facilities after Hurricane Katrina. And we had such incredible opportunities to walk the streets and talk to people and have conversations with them. And so oftentimes we would begin by saying something like this, you know, we're just from this local church. We're just kind of walking and trying to help people. Is there anything we can do for you? Is there any way we can pray for you? And house after house after house, we found people that would just pour their hearts out to us. Yes, there's things you can pray for me about. Yes, I have great need. Yes, I would, I would love to, to share exactly what, what you can do for me or how I need the Lord to work. It's, it's amazing. When we take this model and we actually go and we pray and we prepare our hearts and we allow the Lord to direct us and we get into these situations and we have these conversations, it's amazing how the Lord will use us. It's amazing how the Lord will direct us and guide us. It's, it's, it's very interesting to me. I think that's why the scripture commands us that we should kind of always be ready. Always be ready. Children, let's, let's do something here. If you're, if you're a, a student under the age of about 12, stand up. 
If you went to VBS, let's just do it like that. Come on, stand up. A lot of the kids are in Sunday school. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Okay, do y'all remember the verse? Anybody want to be brave enough to say the verse? <laughs> crickets, crickets, nobody. Abby? No, no. Emma? No? Layton? Nobody? All right, First Peter 3.15. But honor, y'all say it together, honor the Messiah. Say it. Okay, let me read it. For those that are listening on podcast, let me read it so you can hear it. Honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. And what's the next word? Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, right? Yeah, they could sing the song. That's right. They would know the song. The point of that verse is what? You need to be ready to share about Christ, right? At any point. You don't just have to be on a faith visit to share your faith. (laughs) You don't have to be on a mission trip to be missional. The scripture is clear all through. We we need to be prepared to share the gospel at all times. When we have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, we need to be willing to have those conversations. You say, well, I understand that. I should be willing to have conversations about faith. But this, this text talks about going into a town and finding a house of peace and talking to a person of peace. And if they're going to listen, and how am I supposed to find those kind of people? Well, I don't know. But I promise you the Lord does. And I promise you, if you'll seek him and you'll pray, you, you try this prayer. Lord, give me opportunities tomorrow to share my faith in Christ. You better watch out. I promise you, I've done it. It's scary. It's a scary prayer. Lord, give me opportunities tomorrow to share my faith. And you, you be aware of those opportunities to see how often they come up. But you need to be prepared. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to, to, to guide you, to, to share your faith Because he's prepared people to listen if you'd just be willing to share. We used to call those divine appointments. I was reading through the church planning material from these guys in in South Asia that we worked with. And I was kind of studying their model. And they they base it right on Luke chapter 10. It's fascinating how they do it. In fact, one of the little paragraphs in this church planning model said this. God knows and has appointed those who would live in the village where you will be going. In other words, the Lord's already got them out there, right? This is based right on Luke 10. The harvest is plentiful. God's desire for them to hear the gospel is much greater than yours. By faith, you must believe that God has appointed the man of peace for that place, and the Lord can lead you to him. Be it family and friends or a village where you have never been, if that person allows God's peace To come into their house, they are a person of peace. Now here's the command in this church planting manual. Go and see where God is already at work. Go and find the households of peace. It's amazing to me because they just just take this model so literally. We're just going to really live by this. In fact, they they take it so literally. I want to show you something very interesting. Pull that that flow chart up if you would. I got a little laser pointer here. I want to show you something. Now, you may not can read this. This is directly out of this church planning model. It's amazing to me because I see flow charts in business, right? I see flow charts in industry. They're all kind of flow charts. I've never seen a flow chart based on the gospel of Luke. 
But I want you to, I'm going to read it to you with a little laser pointer because I know you can't see it. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, this is probably a little weird in church with a laser pointer. It's not a lecture, but I want you to be able to see this. Go and pray. That's the first thing. Do not take a purse, a bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. So we're walking right down the flow chart. Do enter a house and say peace to that house, right? The man of peace, is he present? Yes or no? See that? You got a choice right there. If he's not present, peace will return to you. Does the entire village reject? Yes, then wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next place. No, then you go to the next house in the same village. So there's this process. We're looking for, we're going, we're praying, we're not taking stuff. We're walking through this process, right? We're going to these houses. We're looking for a man of peace. We're looking for a man of peace. If we found one, no, yes, we find one. Great. Peace will rest on him. Stay in the house, eat or drink what's given, heal those that are sick. Tell him the kingdom of God is near. Does he accept Christ? No. Then the one who listens to you will listen to me. The one who rejects you will reject me. Yes. Begin a church. See that? In the house of peace. Start rad. Rapidly advancing disciples. That's the discipleship training. Map and Ocos. In other words, if somebody accepts Christ, we're going to begin to disciple this person. We're going to begin to talk to this person about who Jesus is. We're going to begin to pray with this person. On and on we're going to go with this person because why? This is the model of Jesus Christ. I thought it was just fascinating that they've got a flow chart. This is how important this is to them. I mean, they just it's like this is really going to work, y'all. All we need to do is just follow this flow chart. It's, that's just so cool to me. Just do this and do this, yes or no, yes, do this, boom, we've got churches. And guess what? It's working. Thousands of people are coming to know Christ. They planted 130, I think 32 guys planted 113 churches last year. Wow. Why, because they're a marketing machine? No. Because they're real fancy in what they do? No. Because they got some kind of slick model? No. They're simply following the truth of the Word of God. They're going... They're praying. They're putting their absolute faith in the Lord. They're beginning conversations with people. He's blessing them. Now look at verse 7. We need to finish. So after you've gone, you've prayed, you've you've found this person of peace that's interested in listening to the gospel presentation, verse 7. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Here's truth number 3. We should be willing to build relationships to reach people for Christ. It's more than just a one-time deal in this model and so many other models of Scripture. Now, there's, of course, nothing wrong with maybe the, the word could be cold call evangelism. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. We need more of that. But this model kind of goes a step farther. Once you kind of talk to this person about Christ, once they're interested in who Christ is, and maybe they haven't even accepted Jesus at this point, but the point is we're going to keep going back. We're going to go back again, and we're going to go back again, and we're going to talk more to this person, and we're going to share Christ with this person. And when this person finally accepts Christ, you know what we're going to start doing then? We're going to disciple them. One of these guys was talking about his discipleship group, and I was like, you know, I think about our discipleship groups, and I think about, you know, maybe you're in one, maybe you meet an hour a week, you fill in some blanks, and there are good studies out there. There's a lot of good stuff out there. But I asked him about his discipleship group. He said, I have a discipleship group every night. I was like, wow, so you've got like, what, six or seven different groups? Oh, no, 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 it's the same people. He said, they're about 15 of us. We meet two or three hours every night for discipleship. That's what they do. I mean, I came back like this. Wow, you know. It's amazing. It's amazing how they just follow this model and it's just working. 
Right? Jesus says when you find these people, you need to stay there. You need to eat and drink. You don't need to move around. Right? You say, well, that, that takes time. That takes a lot of effort. Right? In America, we want things fast. We got microwaves and drive through windows, right? We don't have time to wait on stuff. We don't, we don't have time to think through many years of discipleship. Well, that's not the model in Scripture. Probably the greatest known evangelism verse in all the New Testament, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I want to read just the first few words. Go, therefore, and you remember what it says? Make disciples. That's a long process. If you've ever had the opportunity to to disciple somebody, to spend time with somebody, to walk them through Scripture, it's sometimes a messy process. It's not easy. Our mindset is this. I I sure would love to sit down with this person. I'm going to walk through the Roman road. In five minutes, I'm going to pray. They're going to receive Christ. The next minute, the Lord's going to call them to China as a mission. Everybody's going to be happy. I'm going to do it again tomorrow, right? That's, That's the model we want. never happens like that. Never. Sometimes it's long, sometimes it's drawn out, sometimes it's very difficult. But the command in Scripture is to make disciples. The command in Luke chapter 10 is to go back, continue to meet, invest, pour into the life of this person. Build relationships for the sake of the gospel. I want to finish with just a story about trust. You know, this, this whole little middle section of this text, in my mind at least, is really just about trust and doing what the Lord's called you to do on so many different levels. I mean, don't take money, spend time there, build relationships. That's all about trusting that the Lord's going to lead you. When we were in South Asia a couple weeks ago, and forgive me, I know I keep using these examples. It's just fresh on my heart, and I just feel like there's so much I can learn personally from these people over there. So it's just real kind of heavy and, and, and just really almost a burden to me kind of remembering how they did it and how we're not doing it. But we were in this neighborhood, and we were meeting with these church planners and kind of hearing their story and, and watching what they were doing, and, and we had kind of gone to this house one day and we were going back the second day and our missionary that we were working with had a bag full of church planning material. Just a lot of stuff, a lot of books and a lot of uh, handouts and training kind of stuff. And he later told us, he didn't tell us, tell us this at the time, but he later told us that that morning as he was kind of packing that duffel bag full of stuff, the Lord kind of impressed upon his heart that he needed to grab, grab a guidebook, one of those kind of touristy guidebooks. And he said he thought, you know, I, I mean, I'm familiar with this city, right? I know where I'm going. I, I may even know the language now. I don't need a guidebook. He just felt like the Lord was saying, you just need to get a guidebook. Just put it in your bag. Okay, Lord. So he rocks on along. Later in the day, we've ridden the little auto rickshaw as far as we can get. And they're doing some construction in that area. So we had to walk and kind of weave our way through this area. And we're making our way down the street. And in this area, in this big city, there are people everywhere mulling around, talking. And we're walking down this sidewalk. And this old man, this elder, stops us. Just right there, he stops us. And he starts talking to the missionary. And he's talking in the language there in Hindi. And, of course, we didn't understand it. And he's talking to the guy. And what was taking place is that guy was asking the missionary, what are you doing here, right? Because we stood out. You can imagine. We look a little different than they do. And people from America don't just walk down their streets in this particular area. And so he's asking the, the missionary, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you coming? I saw you yesterday. And he's, you know, he's kind of, as best he can, explaining we're here to see some friends. We're going to this house. And he didn't want to, he's got to be very careful what he says to people there. And so this guy says, what's in the bag? Hmm. So the missionary reached down and he got that little guidebook out. And he handed it to the guy and he said, we're just looking around. And the guy looked at the guidebook and he was like, oh, that's fine. You can just pass on. (laughs) You see, the Lord's got plans for us. 
he understands exactly where he wants you to go. And he's probably got some dangerous, very difficult things you're going to have to walk through and navigate as you go. But guess what? He's already gone ahead of you. And if you will just trust him, if you will just obey what he's called you to do, he'll do amazing things through your heart. It's all about trust. It's all about recognizing who he is and believing that he can do what he says he will do. So I just want to challenge you. I'm going to finish with this thought. How much are you trusting the Lord? Are you hindered by fear or the things of life? Are you not able to do what the Lord has called you to do for whatever reason? Or are you willing, maybe for the first time ever, to step out on faith and say, Lord, I'm not quite sure what you're doing in my heart, but I'm going to trust you. I want you to lead me. I want you to direct me. If you'll do that, I'll promise you. I promise you. The Lord will do great things in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful again for your word. It's very clear and understandable, Lord, and it's easy for us to comprehend. It's just very difficult sometimes for us to live. So, Lord, I pray for this body of believers, Lord. I I pray for their hearts, Lord. I pray for their minds. I pray that you would just encourage us all to uh, be bold, Lord, to be more courageous, to trust you more, to step out on faith and share the gospel, Lord, to build relationships with with people that need to know you, all for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, I pray we would take the things that, that hinder us, the difficult things in life, Lord, and I pray you would just set those aside. Give us the strength to walk the path you've called us to walk, Father, because we know you're already there. We know it's going to be difficult. We know it's sometimes going to be challenging, Lord, but we know that you are with us and we trust you. So you do a mighty work in our heart for the sake of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the chance for the next couple of minutes if you want to come and pray maybe about your call, your role, about faith and trust. Maybe you need to repent of your sins and accept Christ or maybe you want to join this church. You respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.